to City Church. It's great to be here this morning. We were away last weekend. Uh, Amy and I were at uh, Celebration Church in Nara. Um, we stayed at Husky for the weekend, which was really tough. It was really tough. But uh, someone's got to be a missionary to that area. And, uh, and so we were blessed to um, be part of a church called Celebration Church in Nowra and to be able to speak there on the weekend, uh, which, was, which was amazing. But we overcome some adversity because we went with Simon and Renell Noble. And uh, Simon, uh, sorry, sorry, Renell had a, um, a toothache. She ended up having a tooth removed. Um, and Amy had food poisoning. And so it was just a fun weekend. <laughs> Um, plenty of stuff happening, but uh, it was great to be there and, and represent our church at Celebration Church and uh, great ministry there and people really open to God. And so I heard you had a great service here and Anna spoke an incredible word uh, as we've been doing our John series and we're going to continue that today, our series, So That You May Believe, which is on the book of John. And we're going to be looking at between John chapter 17 to 20 over this last week we've been looking at. And so I'm going to focus today on John chapter 17. And uh, then next week, I'm going to be speaking on John chapter 21, which I'm really looking forward to and talking about where do we go from here and how do we live out our calling. And so, yeah, today we're going to look at John chapter 17. And I've entitled the message this morning, The Prayer of Jesus. So John chapter 17, The Prayer of Jesus. You know, we're often praying to God and asking for him to bring breakthrough and his power in our lives. But actually, John chapter 17 is an insight into Jesus praying for you and I. And we get to, in John chapter 17, eavesdrop in and listen in on what Jesus was actually praying for his disciples and praying for the believers to come, which is you and I. And this whole chapter is Jesus praying a prayer out loud and us being able to listen in on what Jesus prays for us. It's a pretty significant moment. You know, in Scripture, there's about 650 prayers that are recorded in Scripture. And there's 25 prayers that Jesus specifically prays in Scripture. And this is one of those significant prayers. It's nestled in between uh, going through talking about John chapter 14, where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit that, it, that that's going to come. Then in John chapter 15, he's talking about the fact that we need to abide in Him. For without Him, we can't bear any fruit at all whatsoever, that we are ineffective without Jesus. He talks about that. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking about the fact that we're going to have trouble in this world, but to take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And then after preaching these things in John chapter 14, 15 and 16, Jesus takes a moment to pray for you and I, to pray for the disciples to come, to pray for them in the moments that were to follow. And so we read it here in John chapter 17. We're going to take a moment and read this passage together this morning. It says this, After Jesus said this, which, what did He say? He just finished saying in John chapter 16 that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. It says, After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. I love that about prayer. The prayer lifts our eyes towards heaven. 
Prayer gives us the perspective of heaven. Prayer helps us to be able to look upwards in our life. When we are feeling downcast, when we are feeling the burdens of what's going on in our world, and like Jesus had just preached that there is going to be trouble to come, when we are feeling the weight of that, prayer lifts our eyes towards heaven. It lifts our eyes towards our heavenly Father that loves us and takes care of us. It's so important to pray. So he looked up towards heaven And he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now Father, Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I've revealed to you to those whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believe that you have sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one, As we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None of them has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. Talking about Judas. Verse 13 I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I in me and I in you, may they also be in in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as they have loved me. Father, I want you, uh, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. 
I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. What a powerful prayer that Jesus prays in this moment. And what a privilege that we get to eavesdrop in on this prayer and to be able to hear what Jesus is praying. I think it's an important thing to be able to know the prayer that Jesus prayed, to know the way that Jesus prayed to the Father. It instructs us, it helps us to know what to focus on, what to pray for the church as well, and what to, to, to be believing for. I think it's a beautiful thing when we see as our, our kids rise up and we take moments to pray with them or as they go to bed at night or just different moments where we can pray with them and they learn what prayer is. They learn how to pray. They learn the reality of how to uh, articulate and communicate with God. And it's a beautiful thing. I actually was praying with my, uh, my son Cooper the other night and uh, I always pray for him and he doesn't really like to pray. But he said to me, oh, Dad, can I pray for you tonight? And I said, oh yeah, absolutely. And then he mocked me by going, Shandakarabi baba 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 He said, oh, that's how you pray, Dad. So uh, I just thought I'd copy you with that. And uh, he was just talking about how we, we speak in tongues at church. And so it's just funny how that happens. But I think for all of us, we want to be able to pray in alignment like Jesus. We want to be able to pray like Jesus has instructed us to pray. And this is a beautiful prayer because Jesus is praying for us. And it really gives us an insight into what He's believing for and praying for the church. And so I want to look at four things this morning that Jesus prayed for His disciples and for us. And the first one is, is this. Number one, that we would know God personally. That we would know God Personally, when we look at this passage, it says, Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And in verse 6, it says, I have revealed you to those you have gave me out of the world. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus came to show us about relationship with God. Jesus came to be the doorway of relationship. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the reality is that Jesus wants us to have relationship with Him. And so this passage here where it's talking about praying for us, it's talking about the fact that we would know God. So can I ask you this morning, do you know God? I'm not asking whether you're coming to church or not. I'm asking, do you know God? I'm not asking how long you've been a Christian for. I'm asking you the question, do you know God? There's a passage in Scripture, which is quite a terrifying passage where it reminds us that you might be casting out demons in my name. You might be preaching and doing all these great works in my name. But Jesus says, I'll spew you out of my mouth because I never knew you. It's not about what you do, it's whether you knew. It's about whether you know God. Do you know God? And the beauty of this passage is that Jesus is bringing it back to what it's really all about. For us as the church, He's praying that we would know God, that we would be a church that knows our God, that we would have a personal relationship with Jesus, that we would personally be connected with Him. You know, it's a different thing to know about somebody to knowing somebody. 
There might be famous people that we talk about, we see on TV, we see on the news, we comment about their behavior, we comment about them, we know all these things about them, we may have big discussions about it, but the reality is, as many times, we don't actually know them personally. There is a different connection when we know somebody personally. And the challenge for us as the church of Jesus Christ is not just to know about God, not just to rack up experience in church and Sunday services, but to actually know God for ourselves. And what Jesus is reminding us here from, from the get-go in this prayer is, hey, I came for one reason, to open up the door so that you could know me. The creator of the universe wants to know you and I. How beautiful is that? Jesus wants to be known. I love what it says in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. It says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of the marvelous glory and excellence. Colossians 2 verse 2 says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ Himself. His plan is that He would be known and that He would be revealed and that we, we would know God and that we would take this message so that others could know Him too. That's the reality of the Gospel that we want to be connected. So your connection, it guides your direction in life. The connection you have with Jesus guides the direction of your future. And we had a moment a couple of weeks ago in the service where Rob asked us just to be still and just to listen to what God was saying. And in that moment, I was been praying about a few things for our church and a few things for personally, just about the future. And I was just praying and I was just saying, God, what are you saying to me in this moment? And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Ben, you're a trailer that's meant to attach to me. You're not the engine at the front. And so your job is not to guide where you're going, where the church is going, where things are going in your world. Your job is to attach to me and forget about the direction, I'm guiding that. The motor is at the front. You keep swinging out this trailer out to the side, going out here. You keep swinging out this way, going out here. I'm just asking you to connect. The journey will be amazing. I will drive you forward. The power is in me, not in you. And it was a beautiful reminder to me that that's the job of all of us, is to connect with Jesus. Allow Him to guide and direct our lives. Allow Him to lead us and take us where He wants us to be. We can so easily be jumping to the front, like a trailer trying to swing out to the front. That's chaos. We can so easily try to take control. Jesus just wants us to trust Him. Put our life's connection into Him and allow Him to guide and direct us and to take us forward in Jesus' name. To know God personally. You know, the Bible talks about the Lamb's book of life. 
or the book of life. It talks about the fact that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life as believers, that we have got our names there as we arrive in heaven, that our names will be there and be read out so that we have access to heaven. Now we have a task to know God so that we have our names there in the Lamb's book of life. But we also have a task to try and help as many people as possible to get their name in the Lamb's book of life. We want to populate heaven. And the whole idea is the fact that Jesus wants to know people. He's a God that's relational. He's a God that wants to be connected with. He's a God that wants to be known. And I wanted to encourage us this morning. Jesus is praying in this prayer. Hey, it's not enough just to attend church services. Hey, it's not enough just to have the label Christian. It's not enough just to be around other Christians. It's, it's not enough to do that. We've got to personally have relationship with Jesus. We've got to personally know God. And develop and grow that relationship. How do we do that? Through prayer, through reading the Bible. We can do that through fellowship as we grow together. We can do that through sitting and listening to the voice of God. But it's got to be personal. If it's not personal, then it's not real. To know God personally. The second thing this morning is this. To know protection in His name. Jesus goes on to pray for the disciples and to pray for their protection. He says, I have been here to protect them, but now I'm leaving the earth and the Holy Spirit is to come. And I'm praying, Father, that you would protect the disciples, that you would protect the believers that are to come and keep them safe. And if you're anything like me, you've got an inquisitive mind and you might say to yourself, well, Jesus, you prayed for them to be protected. Why did so many of the disciples die as martyrs, when you prayed for their protection. And the reality is what Jesus was praying for is a protection beyond just their physical bodies. He was praying for the protection of their souls, that they would stay connected with Him, that they would stay in Christ, that they would be protected in Him. You may be able to um, hurt and injure our body, but you can never take away our soul and our soul tie and connection with Jesus. Jesus loves us and protects us. He takes care of us. In fact, it says in Scripture that the Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So we do not need to be afraid and we do not need to be discouraged. I love in Proverbs 18 verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. There's protection in His name. The beautiful thing is that Jesus is praying for our protection. And so when we align our prayers with that, we pray for protection for one another. We pray for protection for our lives. We pray for our soul. We pray for that, that God would, would take care of every area of our life. We are praying in alignment to God's will. We are praying for His will to be done in our lives. The third thing this morning is this, to know we are different. I love that Jesus says this in verse 16. He says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, and they too may be truly sanctified. You know, the Bible reminds us that we are called to be set apart. In fact, it actually says in 2 Corinthians that we are to come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. 
Don't touch the filthy things um, that, that this world would kind of try to get us entangled in, but that we are called to be different. In this prayer, Jesus is reminding the disciples that, hey, listen, as relevant as you try to be in this world, you are actually called to be different. You're actually called to stand out. You're actually not meant to be like the world. And yes, we try to make things as relevant as possible. We try to make our church services relevant to people so that we can connect with the people that are around us. We try to do that when we connect with people. But the reality is there are things that make us contrary to the world by the things that we believe in and that there are things that are going to cause us to stand out. We are meant to be different. We're not meant to blend so easily into this world that we just fit in. We're actually called to be different. And Jesus is praying in this prayer that we would have the courage and the strength to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be the kinds of people that Jesus wants us to be in a world that is pulling us in another direction. That we would be those kind of people. And I wonder at times whether we emphasize the wrong things and we try to be relevant above actually just trying to be real and be who God's called us to be. Now, I love the signs on, the, on Old Bathurst Road. I don't know whether you see those signs as you go down Old Bathurst Road and um, people put on there uh, a big banner up and say, oh, happy anniversary or happy birthday or whatever. Does anybody ever see those signs on Old Bathurst Road? It's, it's like the highlight of the Blue Mountains, right? And uh, everyone loves to see those signs up there. Well, in the last couple of weeks, I'm not sure whether you saw this or whether this was just uh, something that I saw, but somebody, and I can't remember the name of the person, but I'm just going to call them Jessica just for means of just what I can remember. But somebody put a sign up saying, congratulations, Jessica, on your fourth yes. engagement. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, hey, I think the wrong thing's being emphasised here. Like, did they really need to include fourth engagement? Couldn't they have just stopped at saying, Jessica, congratulations on your engagement. And it got me thinking about the church and how sometimes we, we emphasise the wrong things. And we can be so emphasising relevance that we forget who we are in Christ, that we're actually called to be different. The standards that you have in your life make you different. The Word of God makes you different. The way that you're called to love when people against you would, would treat you badly in response to that, it's different. The way that we are called to stand up for what we believe for and to share the gospel in all seasons, it makes us different. You're not meant to blend in and be so much like the world. You're actually meant to stand out. You're actually meant to be different. The Bible says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. That's who we are. We are meant to be different. We are meant to stand out. We aren't meant to just be the same. The Bible says to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The Bible reminds us that we are citizens of heaven. It reminds us that we are to conduct ourselves in a way worthy of the good news about Christ. And that makes us different. You know, the world will constantly make you say no. It's like the world is always trying to upsell you something. I was at Red Rooster the other day 
and I was ordering my lunch and I was trying to remain healthy. And they said to me, hey, um, would you like to have 10 nuggets for $5 added to your meal? And I thought, oh, yes, I would like to have that. And then I thought, no, I'm eating healthy today. I'm not going to do that. And I had to say no. And it's interesting that this world always requires us to say no. It requires us to say no to things that would lead us into sin. It requires us to say no to the world that is always trying to upsell us to live in a certain way that would flow with the world system, where we are actually called to not be caught in that, but to live above that. And so the challenge for all of us is to say, hey, listen, I know I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. I need to live above that. I need to understand the calling of God on my life. John 15 verse 19, Jesus said, If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And I wonder whether that's a test at times. If we just fit in all the time, if everyone just kind of loves us and we never have a point of speaking truth into things, we never have a point point of living by conviction where actually our stance means that sometimes we're hated. I wonder whether we're just fitting in too much with the world and we're not being who Jesus has called us to be. I'm not saying walk out of this place and try and offend every person um, that that you um, speak to, but I'm just saying that your life will be offensive because you are a believer in Jesus Christ and everything Jesus represents can be offensive to people because our standards are set. The way that we live is set by the word of God. And yes, this, this Bible is offensive to the world. And so if we are to rely upon it and live with it, then it is going to cause us to be offensive to the world at times. Number four this morning is this, fourth and final. Jesus prays that we would know unity under the name of Jesus. He continues to reference this unity between the Father and the Son and talks to us about the unity that we would have as the church of Jesus Christ under the name of Jesus. Each one of us in this place, we have got different things that we are passionate about. Uh, If I look across this room, I could see Felicity's passionate about the Brewsters. She loves the Roosters, whereas I'm passionate about the Knights. If I was to ask Felicity her favourite food, I'm sure it would be different to me. There is all different things about us that make us different. It's not uniformity, but there's a sense of unity under the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus says this, that the world would know you and I as disciples of Jesus Christ by our love for one another. That that would be a distinguishing quality that this world would see us and go, hey, listen, they're disciples of Jesus Christ because their love for one another, their sense of unity is so incredible. And I wonder whether it's like that for people when they see us interacting with one another. And sometimes the reality is people have been put off God, put off church by the church, by the way we've reacted and acted towards one another. Whereas I think we want to be the kind of people where love overflows. And I think we are that people, but even more so, we want to in increasing measure be that kind of church that is unified and full of love and building up one another. Unity and anointing, they, they flow together. When there's unity, there is an anointing, the Holy Spirit. 
Psalm 133 says it this way, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that is poured over Aaron's head and ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountain of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced His blessing. Anointing and blessing and unity, they all go together. As we are that kind of church that allows the Holy Spirit to bind us together with ties of love towards one another, that we'd be that kind of church. You know, the Bible talks about us as like a body that is functioning together and we are all different parts of that body and that we shouldn't highlight one part of the body as more important than the other but because every part of the body matters. Even the smaller parts that we can sometimes overlook, they still matter. And that's why the body of Christ is so beautiful because it's every part coming together and contributing and being that part that helps the whole body be built up. Now, my auntie had a... Um, a neurological condition that was causing her hand to be absolutely stiffened up and stuck in a certain place. And uh, she couldn't move her hand. But actually physically in her body, there wasn't a physical reason for her hand not to be able to move it. She had this neurological problem. And so she had to reteach her hand to move by trying to trick her brain by doing these exercises in front of a mirror and it would trick her brain to think that that was her other hand that was doing that. And it was a crazy thing that she went through. But it reminded me when one part of the body isn't functioning, how it affects the other parts of the body. And how beautiful it is when we all find our place in the church and say, hey, listen, I might not be the heart. I might just be the little finger. But that little finger is important for balance, for strength. It's like the little toe. I might not be the most prominent part, but my part is just as important because I bring strength and balance to the whole body. And church, we need you. We need the church functioning and moving together in unity. And Jesus prays for that. He prays that the church would be unified and strengthened in every way as the team comes. Jesus prays for us. He prays that we would know Him personally. He prays that we would know protection in His name. He prays that we would know we are called to be different, or to be set apart. And He prays that we would know unity under the name of Jesus. So Lord, this morning, I pray we would be that church that You prayed for. That we'd be those disciples that You prayed for in John chapter 17. That Lord, we would be unified. I pray that you would protect us, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would stand out and be different in this world. That we would know that we are meant to be called out, set apart from this world. And Lord Jesus, mostly I pray this morning, as you came to earth to reveal yourself, that we would know you personally. Lord, whether we have been around church for years and years, or whether, Lord, we are new to church, Lord, I pray we wouldn't just be observers. But Lord, I pray personally, we would know you as you instructed us to. That we'd move all just the rhetoric and all the knowledge of, of you 
and we would make it personal in our lives that we would personally know you. Lord, we wouldn't just be caught up in the crowd, but actually we would personally have a relationship with you. And I pray that we would never, ever grow beyond the importance of our personal relationship with you. You prayed for that. You instructed us to have that as a priority in our lives. And I pray that we would be a church with a strong personal relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I really felt strongly in my heart to remind us all this morning that it's got to be personal. And we can really get caught up in church life and we can have the tag Christian, but we can be so disconnected to Jesus. And I think what this passage and the beginning of it is, is reminding us that, that Jesus come for, for that reason, that we would know him personally. And so we're going to just take a moment and worship. But if you just need to just recorrect, if you've been out of alignment of your relationship with Jesus, if you just need to make an adjustment, if you just need to pray a small prayer and say, Jesus, maybe you've just been on the, in the background of my life and not the center. I, I just want to make that adjustment this morning. I want to make sure that I'm leaving this place today with a personal, vibrant, genuine, real connection with Jesus because that's what matters as we said before Jesus was talking about the fact that we might do all these great things for God but if we don't know Jesus for ourselves, we've completely missed the mark that's what it's about now pray we're a church that has strong intimate connection with Jesus and that we overflow out of that place because that's the place of strength that's the place of effectiveness without that we are just a social club Without that, we are just observers of Jesus. We are just people that understand doctrine. But good doctrine always leads to good relationship with Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray specifically for that. If there's people here this morning that just need to make that correction, myself included, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd help us to do that this morning. Make sure our relationship with you is front and center of everything that we do. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you need to make that decision this morning as we worship, why don't you just make that prayer, make that decision to connect in with Jesus this morning. Why don't you stand with me this morning as we finish with song.